been a minute since they heard this Google searches of some 90s ever verses Flow holier than holy water in the churches Young sinner, still praying it was worth it Don't care how you may feel, word to Curtis Don't need any validation, I deserve this Get up out my table, you ain't know Hello, and welcome to the Whole 9 Sports Podcast My name is Brandon Olson You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon And we don't have Dylan today Because, uh He's down battling Mother Nature in Louisiana. And uh, I am joined by Nathan. I already forgot how to pronounce this. <laughs> uh, Papandria, right? Is that is that close enough? <laughs> Solid effort. Okay, there we go. Yeah, sorry, I already fucked that up. Uh, how you doing, Nathan? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming on, man. Uh, ready to talk some ACC football? Of course. Well, uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Just how, how's your weekend been? Oh, uh, you know, it's just a full tape study and preview in the ACC. Uh, a lot of interesting guys in this conference. What about you, Brandon? Uh, I was down in Virginia for uh, my girlfriend's nephew's fifth birthday party. So that how's was that? It was surprisingly entertaining. It was like at his little like Taekwondo place and. The black belt and I guess like the master is what he's called there. Uh, they put on a little demonstration. They were like breaking boards and doing obstacle courses and shit. So uh, it was fun, but I'm, I'm glad to be home. It's it's a lot to be with a five year old. I can imagine that's for sure. So we're gonna hop into this now, and of course you are one of the two ACC scouts we have. Uh, who are your top players in the ACC? Well, um, you know, you can't really talk about the ACC without talking about Clemson. Um, so you really got to look at their uh, two offensive players. You got Travis Etienne, Trevor Lawrence, and T. Higgins. You know, you got explosive playmakers all over that offense. So really, those are my first studies. You got Bryce Perkins out of Virginia, one of the big bright spots on that offense. And you got the two Miami defenders. You got Shaquille Quarterman, Jonathan Garvin. And last but not least, I love Reggie Floyd out of Virginia Tech. Physical safety who can play really anywhere on the field. So those are like the main guys that I saw from studying ACC thus far. Uh, I'm just going to hop in and say I'm not a fan of Bryce Perkins in any way, shape, or form. I did not Oh, like I'm talent-wise, I'm, I'm really not there either. But, you know, I was just looking at guys who make plays for their teams. And, you know, and you look at the other quarterback pool, which we'll get into a little bit, he's really one of the top guys because you look at the rest of the quarterback pool, it's a bunch of unproven guys who – are incumbent starters like James Blackman or really haven't started a game at all. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I was speaking to Mark Jarvis and uh, yep. I was like, how do you have, like, how do you, how are you that high on Bryce Perkins? And he's not super high if I remember correctly, but it was way higher than I was. And I don't know, just something about his tape. He didn't excite me at all. I mean, yeah, he, um, in the arm talent category, he's really not impressive, um, or really not as impressive as he could be. But you know, I, when you watch his tape, you know he's the main playmaker on that offense. So when you see chunk plays on like on the Virginia roster, he's really the one making them because um, they're really devoid of it anywhere else. So I guess that's really what made me put him into this list because I'm just looking at guys who made plays. And you know, when we get to February, January, December, when I'm starting to put my reports together, then you know I might not be as kind, but. You know, gotta gotta reward some playmakers. Yeah, he was uh, he was actually the only player that 
are the only senior QB that I scouted that uh, I, I actually wrote down more negatives than positives for him. And I feel bad about that, but it's just, that's... You can't feel bad, man. That's a part of it. That's that's how he made me feel, though. So, like, that's that's just what he's going to deal with. Um, what about the strongest positions in the ACC for the uh, upcoming season? I mean, um, it's actually kind of an intriguing ACC this year. It's a lot of top-heavy positions, but, you know, you look at the offensive line, defensive line. You know, you got the Clemson, too, who just turns out basically offensive linemen and skill players every year. You got Tremaine Ancrum and Simpson. Uh, you got Mackay Beckton out of Louisville, 6'7", 350. He has good feet for size, plays with a significant amount of power in his lower half. He has a good anchor, good hand placement. Really where he struggles, though, is he doesn't really um, process end tackle stunts very well. He opens his hips too early and allows inside entry, and his quarterback gets killed. You, know, you see Juwan Pass get absolutely slaughtered on tape last year. Um, you, know, you got Ben Petrula from Boston College who can you know, end up having like a Chris Lindstrom-like rise. On the defensive line, you got a lot of edge players. You got Alton Robinson, Jonathan Garvin. And I'm telling you, the Draft Network actually posted an article about this guy, so I just thought I would check him out. His name is Burrell Murchison. He's explosive, and I think his best football is ahead of him, so I really think he's a name to watch. And, you know, lastly, for the position that I felt like had a lot of strengths in it, I felt like running back. You know, you got guys like Travis Etienne, explosive home run hitter out of the backfield. And you got a guy, I'm from Connecticut, A.J. Dillon. He went to New London. Um, you know, he's six foot, 240 pounds, runs with good pad level and contact balance. And the best one yet, you got Cam Akers. He's a physical RB prospect with good mass, vision, contact balance. And I feel like, you know, his offensive line is pretty inept, so I don't really feel like we've seen the best version of Cam Akers that we could see. But even if that offensive line takes one or two steps forward, I think he could be up for a really big year. Yeah, um, as a Florida fan, I'm very happy seeing Florida State's offensive line not be great. It's awful. Yeah, I love it. It's great for me. I uh, I get to see the Florida front seven just wreak havoc on them every year. Uh, you got Zuniga, and that's it. Uh, well, last year we had Polite and Zuniga, yeah. and CC Jefferson was mediocre yep. for college, but not bad for a third option. No, not at all. Uh, so you like the trenches, I'm assuming, with the offensive line, defensive line. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you do play. For those of you that don't know, Nathan is eleven years old. Um, Sixteen, <laughs> and he does play offensive line, so he's he likes the trenches. He's a big fan of them. Um, what about the weakest positions in the ACC, man? Uh, like I mentioned earlier, um, I, I can't say that it's weak. Um, I think draft prospects wise, there's really not going to be one draft eligible prospect this year that I'm going to be very high on. Um, but you got Trevor Lawrence, obviously. He's like the best, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the country. Super poised. He's a true freshman. Advanced physical tools. Heisman favorite, but we'll get into that later. Um, Bryce Perkins, as we talked about earlier, and Ryan Willis. Those are really the only guys who've started games, like in the ACC. It like started a lot of them. Other than that, you know, um, you got either incumbent starters or guys who are unproven that need to come into their own. I mean, Anthony Brown from Boston College has some talent, but. Um, he needs to establish more of a firm pocket presence and shore up the mechanics of the position before I really call him call him legitimate. Um, James Blackman, I know he's your favorite. He's an intriguing guy because he's you know six five. He has physical tools, but his offensive line is just awful. So I really don't think that will ever allow him to excel at Florida State. But you got intriguing guys who, need, who are going to start this year, like Tommy DeVito from Syracuse, Quentin Harris from Duke, and Matt McKay. You know they're all stepping into starting roles and they all have potential. They've shown flashes when they got in like garbage time, but really you know. 
I don't really know what they can do. So three months from now, I may feel differently about this, but as of right now, this QB class is just a huge mystery. And then you look at wide receivers, I feel like that's the same the same thing. You got T. Higgins and Justin Ross, but you know, after that, you have guys who have a ton of talent that just need to take steps forward. So really, it's still a mystery. You look at guys like Damon Hazleton. He's an extremely talented kid. He's 6'2", 220 pounds. He had 800 receiving yards with eight touchdowns. Uh, he's on Virginia Tech, and recently their second receiver, Eric Kuba, transferred to Old Dominion. So I'm, I'm really hoping that um, Damon Hazleton can take a step forward and be the go-to playmaker for Ryan Willis because that offense really needs him. Um, Des Fitzpatrick from Louisville, he's another talented kid who really needs to come into his own. He has physical tools. He's a muscled-up frame. He has a long strider with loose hips. However, Louisville last year, they were just really bad, and they were riddled with incumbent QB play, a really bad culture with Petrino, and an offensive line that just cannot stay consistent or healthy. So if Scott Satterfield can capitalize on the talent he does have and restore some energy back into Louisville, Des could have a huge year. Like QBs, though, beyond the top two, I really don't know what I'm getting from the wide receivers this year, so that's why I put him as one of the weaker positions in the ACC. Yeah, um, looking at going back to quarterback real quick, James Blackman, do you know if he's managed to put on some weight? Because I remember watching him, he is real thin. I'm trying to remember what he measured in at, but I can't imagine it was anywhere at like over 200 or much over 200 at all, and I can't imagine that he's really firmed up since. I mean, you know, strength conditioning programs can do wonders, but he's really got to put a lot of weight on. You're right, he is real thin. So I'm really not sure if he's much different than he was before. Yeah, because I just like yeah, he's tall and he's yeah. you know, I, I think he's fairly talented. Just his frame is horrifying. He's, yeah, he is really thin and playing behind a poor offensive line. Those that's just a recipe for disaster. You're basically asking for it at that point. I mean, yeah, you, you watch DeAndre Francois tape this year, who's now not playing for the team anymore. He just gets battered and drilled at like almost every rep. So I can't imagine that James Blackman is going to have the most um, injury-free season, which I feel like is another thing that's going to keep him off the radar of a lot of people. And then, uh, man, that's... I'm personally in love with seeing Florida State just in shambles at the moment. Uh, their, rec- their recruiting classes have been poor. Uh, what about the ACC linebackers? Because that's my favorite position to watch film of defensively. Although there's a lot of intriguing linebackers in this class. You know, like I said earlier, you got Shaquille Quarterman. Uh, you know, he's actually kind of similar to the Devin White and Devin Bush from this year and the way he plays. I'm not saying he's, you know, there talent-wise yet, but, you know, he's rangy, he's physical. He, You know, and, like, realistically, like I've, I've heard a lot of people say, and I couldn't agree with the sentiment more, um, the NFL really looks for linebackers who can run, cover, and blitz. And really the main linebackers that I've scouted that really have popped out to me can do all three of those things. You got Shaq. You got Isaiah Simmons, who's an absolute freak. He's like 6'4", 225. He's explosive. He can play. He can really line up anywhere on the field. He can blitz from the edge. He can cover in the slot. He can be a nickel you know, slot corner. He can really do anything he wants. And I think it, should he come out this year, he's going to test ridiculously at the combine. And then, you know, you got a guy that not a lot of people are talking about, but I feel like come April, I feel like a lot of people will talk about this guy. His name's Charles Snowden from Virginia. He's 6'7", 225 pounds, and he's a linebacker with cover skills and solid tackle ability. So really, you look at this linebacker class, it has some talent, a lot of physical freaks in here, and I'm really interested to see how that materializes come uh, September. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually working on an article right now that it's, it's basically a seven-on-seven seven tournament between okay. a bunch of different conferences. And uh, 
when I was looking at it, the ACC linebackers really, they intrigued me because, of course, I have to put Isaiah Simmons in there because he's, a lot of people see him as a safety linebacker hybrid. So he he, yeah, so he's, uh, he, he's got to play in a seven-on-seven game. And then I was looking at Shaq Quarterman, but Charles Snowden's size and his ability at his size really just, I still don't know which one of them I'm going to use. But Snowden's size was, I didn't know he was six foot seven going into it. Yeah, he's, he's huge. He, yeah, that is a massive man. Um, he could move. He's like pretty like nimble in his lower half. Like he usually you don't see guys like, like his size move that way. And you know when I when I saw his tape, I was just really impressed. My jaw actually hit the floor a few times. I really didn't didn't really expect that. But yeah, he's gonna be a guy. I feel like a lot of people come talking about. So I feel like if you want to use him for that article, I feel like that'd be a smart idea. Yeah, and people are going to absolutely fall in love with his size once they get more into it. Like once we get to the combine and all those uh, superstar games or all star games. People are gonna love him when they see his measurements. If he's actually six foot seven and like a clean six seven, it's gonna be people are just gonna. I mean, even if he's six six, like a guy who can really co- who can cover. I mean, I'm not I'm not overhyping his ability to cover. I mean, like, obviously he still has room to improve, but even if he's six six, you know, two thirty, and he has some muscle mass, six five even, I feel like that's still insanely impressive for a man of his size. I mean, he's had interceptions before. It's crazy. Yeah, he's going to be uh he's going to be every Madden user's dream next year. Most definitely. Um, so moving on to not just player performance, but also team performance. Uh, who are your favorites to win? I don't even know why I'm asking this, but I'm going to. Who are your favorites to win the ACC Atlantic Division? I mean, you know, that's Clemson. <laughs> I mean, no one's being Clemson. And like I said, the ACC is pretty devoid of you know, superstar playmakers in some aspects. I mean, obviously there's some, but, you know, Clemson with ETN, Justin Ross. Um, obviously, Amari Rogers got hurt, but he, he's a beast. You know, their offensive line is is pretty solid. You got Trevor Lawrence, the best quarterback in the country. Isaiah Simmons, Tanner Muse on defense. I can't really see anybody beating Clemson. And what about, who would they be playing in the ACC championship for the Coastal? If, I'm, if I remember correctly, I'm, I'm, I mean, North Carolina, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm not saying they're going to make it to the ACC title game, but I feel like they, have, they brought in a lot of good pieces in that culture down there, and Mac Brown has, has been really something to keep an eye on. But I, I think, uh, I mean, you saw Pittsburgh, who went 7-5, and five, made it last year, so I'm really hoping the whole division takes that step forward. But I think, I think it might be Virginia. If I've, I'm pretty sure they're in that division. I think it might be Virginia. I think I think Bryce Perkins and uh, as much as we don't really know about him prospect wise, I feel like with the strength of that division being so poor, I, I feel like Virginia is up in the lead right now. Or Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh can make it back. If all of uh, Miami's new new talent. Oh, I forgot about Miami. Yeah. If their talent all gels well, we could see a Clemson Miami uh, ACC title game, and I think so too. Be, that would be amazing. That could be so fun if both teams are healthy and they're really going with it. Uh, that could be amazing. But, I can't believe I forgot about Miami. Um, yeah, I mean Miami can really do, this year. Honestly, 
Miami can do whatever they want to do. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, play operate by any means, but, you know, they've been held down for a long time by inept quarterback play. So if Tate Martell can come in and, you know, be a playmaker for an offense that, again, needs one and take the job from Nikosi Perry, you know, they got DJ Dallas at running back. They got that defense with Garvin, Shaquille Quarterman. They got Navon Donaldson on the offensive line. They really could do whatever they want to do. They just need a quarterback to come in and take them there. And I feel like I feel like Tate Martell and Nikosi Perry just really has to do that before I really put them as legitimate ACC title contenders. And uh, I'm just looking at the numbers from last year, and it's amazing just how how badly Clemson warped the ACC. Yeah, uh, they're the only team in the ACC to allow. Under 250 points, and they didn't even allow 200. It was 197. Second best was Miami at 253. And they're the only team in the ACC to score over 525, and they scored 664. Yeah. In conference play, they didn't even allow 100 points combined in eight games, and they scored 378. So they just... Like, I, obviously, they dominated because they won the national championship. They beat Alabama. They destroyed. But it's just looking at the numbers in front of you, it's, it's insane what they're doing down there. Um, who's your final coastal champ? Is it Miami or? If Miami can get a quarterback in there that can throw, I mean, no disrespect to Nikosi Perry. Um, you know, he has an intriguing physical profile, but he was just inept. And, you know, that thing with Malik Rozier last year, like, you know, the controversy of the QB position, I feel like really held him back. So I feel like if Tay Martell can come in here and he can make use of all of the playmakers that they do have, I feel like Miami could take that. I, yeah, my final answer is Miami. I feel like I don't need to ask you this, but, uh, but I'm I'm going to just to be 100% certain. Who wins that game, Clemson or Miami? Oh, Clemson. What's the final <laughs> score? Oh, I mean, Miami could very possibly. I, I I can't remember their non-conference schedule being anything um, eye-opening. So I'm really feeling that Miami's probably doing the best defense they've played all year, but I'm not really sure that's going to matter. I'm going to say 38-17. to 17. Uh, honestly, if, if Miami holds them to only 38, that'd be pretty good for them. I'm being generous, because they do got Garvin and stuff on the D-line and stuff, so I'm, yeah. I'm hoping. That, uh, that, that, that'd be good. If you could hold Clemson to 38, you should be proud of yourself. Yeah. It's, it's, you should be very proud of yourself. Um, and then at the end of the conference previews, as always, we're going to be talking about some of the Heisman favorites and we're gonna we've already mentioned him so we're gonna go right back at it Trevor Lawrence yeah you really you really can't look anywhere else yeah he he's the guy but but we're gonna have some fun with it and we are gonna look elsewhere a little bit um what if what if Travis Etienne what, what would he have to do to take it from Trevor Lawrence I really don't think he's gonna have to do much more than I expect him to I feel like you know Travis Etienne is really top three running back in the country, maybe the best running back in the country. So I feel like, you know, behind the offensive line that he has, any of the run-pass options that get him in space, you know, cause people in the run-pass options have to pay attention to the 
insane talent that the Clemson has at receiver, so they have to focus on that. I really feel like Travis Etienne is just gonna have to, you know, I, I can't even I can't even say that because he really just has to be himself because he's so talented. He just gets overshadowed by Trevor Lawrence and T. Higgins and Mari Rogers and Justin Ross, but he just really has to be himself. And I feel like he could win the Heisman, but Trevor Lawrence is just in his way, and I don't see him getting out of the way. But I really feel like if Travis Etienne wants a chance, he's just gonna have to take advantage of the opportunity that he has and just play like the way I know he can play. Yeah, it's it's. It's going to be interesting because Clemson is just so jam-packed with talent everywhere right now. And they recruit. Yeah, it's 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 going to be wild. I actually did forget, or I did skip one question, which is that, who are some sleeper prospects from the ACC that people should be keeping an eye out going into the season? Uh, for me, uh, defensive end Jonathan Garvin out of Miami. He's like 6'5", 260. Similar uh, physical profile to Joe Jackson who came out last year. Um, He's physical. He has impressive length for the position. His arms are really long. He has a good motor. You know, he plays for the whistle. He has good hands. He can counter. He sets a physical edge. You know, he holds up well against the run. You know, you see guys like Brian Burns last year who played at a lighter weight who struggled holding up at the point of attack. You really don't get that problem with him. Um, he, he does need more refinement, but I really feel like his best football is ahead of him. So I feel like in another year, to keep an eye, he's one to keep an eye out through the season. I feel like he's going to develop, and I feel like he's going to end up being more advanced than Joe Jackson coming out of college. So he's definitely one to keep an eye on. Reggie Floyd, I know we love talking about Reggie Floyd. Physical safety, good feet, good athleticism. He's explosive, big playmaker in the back end of that defense, and he's one that I feel like everyone needs to watch this year too. Yeah, Reggie Floyd. I know you're not listening, but. Uh... <laughs> If anybody that knows Reggie Floyd does listen, let him know. We love him. Whole Nine Sports is Reggie Floyd's uh, we one of love our Reggie favorites. Floyd. Yeah. We, we're, this is a Reggie Floyd uh, podcast now. Um, <laughs> should be. Should be. It, it will be. Just wait. Do you have any more sleepers for us? Um, you know, I, I mentioned him earlier, and I, I know I'm a trench guy, so I have to throw one trench guy in here. Makai Becton, you know, you see guys like Tristan Wirfs and, you know, Walker Little getting all the attention at the tackle position, but Makai Becton just poses one of the most intriguing physical profiles I've seen at the tackle position. Um, you know, he has the, the same size as Orlando Brown, who came out a couple years ago, but he just has better feet. He's more athletic. He can come out of his hips. He can really, he can just move. And I feel like where he falters is in the mental side of the position, which can be coached with tape study. And, you know, repetition. So I really feel like physical, physically, he really doesn't have too many limitations. He seems long on tape. Obviously, we won't know that until he measures. But, you know, he's 6'7", like 358, and he can move. And he, he's powerful, good grip strength, good hand placement, punches well. He just really has to focus on the more nuanced parts of the position. And he's going to be a really good left tackle for the Louisville this year. I mean, he even played right tackle. You watch one of his tapes against Georgia Tech, and, you know, I really had trouble following him. He moved, like, left tackle at one point, moved to right tackle. I think I saw a guard snap. So, you know, shows versatility. He's definitely one to keep an eye on for all you trench lovers out there, that's for sure. I I don't like the ACC. I'm not a huge fan of them. Uh, we know. But even I'm very excited to watch the ACC this year with Trevor Lawrence and, oh, yeah. and all the Clemson guys. Um Miami is going to be really exciting to watch. Uh, I know that 
Week Zero, if, since that's what people are calling it, apparently, when Florida plays Miami. I know that that's the weekend that I'm actually going to be on vacation in New Orleans. Dylan will also be on vacation in New Orleans, and so we're going to uh, we're going to meet up to watch that game, and he is going to be miserable because he's he's an LSU fan, so of course he hates Florida, and he's going to not stop talking shit about it. But uh, I'm I'm excited to see. Honestly, Tate Martell is what it is for me, and then. I can't remember his teammate's name from high school, but a safety uh, Jordan. Oh, no. Um, he does have a tight end, uh, Brevin Jordan. Yeah, Brevin Jordan. He had a safety. I think his name was Bruno. I think that's what uh, they called him. Um, and then he also has Jalen Phillips, an edge that just came over from UCLA. Yep. And I was actually a little curious about the whole Jalen Phillips going to Miami thing, and Tate Martell going to Miami like at the same time, basically. Because Jalen Phillips is dating Tate Martell's sister. So that's a little... See, like, I didn't know fun. that. Yeah, I, I didn't, like, I wasn't looking that up. I just, I was looking up Jalen Phillips one day. And I saw it, and I was like, that's a little, that's a little funky there. Um, it's definitely odd, for sure. Yeah. So, is Clemson your team that you're most excited to watch in the ACC? Most definitely. Absolutely. Alright, so then, what's the second? Because, yeah, we know, obviously, Clemson is they're just, they're so good. Um, so what would be your second team that you're most interested in watching? Not the team that you think would be second best, necessarily. I, I, I mean, I mean, it might go hand-in-hand, hand, but I, I mean, I'm so excited to watch Miami. I mean, you get all this hype with Tate Martelli coming out of high school, going to Ohio State, you know, all this personality things that we love following. Uh, you got that defense. You got a lot of talent there. It's just I'm really not 100% sure how it's going to mesh. And, you know, obviously you're a Florida fan. They got a nice big test with Miami week one. So I'm really, really excited to see how Tate Martell plays if he actually wins the starting drive away from Nikosi. But I, I just really want to see how Miami comes together. So that's why I'm probably – that's just the second team I'm most excited to watch. Is it a test or is Florida just going to wipe the floor with them? I think um, it's going to be the other way around. Oh, you're fired. That's, that's I'm sick of you, Nathan. Uh, okay. Tate Martell's running for 200 against you guys. That's fine. He's throwing for six. Uh, Accurate. Who would you say is the most overrated draft prospect at the moment from the ACC? Oh. I know I didn't give you that question beforehand, and I'm just like laying that one on you. Um, okay, uh, I, I got one. I mean, here's a little caveat, though. I think this dude's really talented, um, but I, I feel like before I start hyping up this player completely, I need to see a couple more facets of his game develop before I do. I feel like he's capable of doing it, but A.J. Dillon out of Boston College, uh, you know, he's 6 feet, 240, um, power back, really good contact balance, like I stated earlier, he's physical, but, you know, to be a three-down back in the NFL... You need to show, you know, it's it's not just going to work anymore that you're, 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 you're a good running back. You need to be able to pass block, and you need to show some passing game, you know, ability to catch, you know, ability to run after the catch. I mean, not all running backs have that, but, you know, to be a high-level draft prospect like ETN, you need to show ability in those areas. So, again, great runner. You know, I feel like he's capable to develop in those areas. You know, pass game is kind of a lunger. Um, 
you know, and I really haven't seen too much of him catching to a point where I get excited about it. So when I when I see that, and if I see his game develop a little bit, then I'm going to get there. But right now, I just see him as kind of one-dimensional. Yeah, and uh, A.J. Dillon did only have eight receptions last season. So not super uh, utilized. He has potential, though, because he can, he can run. He's not one of those 240-pound running backs that can't move. He can run. It's just I feel like they need to utilize him and for his abilities more than they do right now. Because I feel like he can do it really whatever he wants. Because I, I don't see 240-pound backs move that way. I've seen him even listed at 250 on some websites. So... Again, let me see him used in a different way, and then I'll and I'll get on the hype train. Yeah, honestly, I think uh, looking at the numbers because, like I said, I'm, I'm writing that article, and I was looking for backs that could catch. And college backs need to be thrown the ball more. Like I don't know what it is, but so many of them just the most catches from the top running backs in the ACC was Cam Akers, and it's only yep. 24. Yep. It's not a lot at all, and it really should be a lot higher than it is. Yeah. Cause, I mean, you have guys who could really excel in that area, so it, it really baffles me why they're not used that way. Yeah, Travis Etienne only had 12 catches, and can you imagine how nice he would be if, you, if they got him the ball in space more? Yeah, and I, I think what put me over, what put him over Dylan in that category for me was just the fact that when it, when it has happened, it's just been splash play. You know, it's you know you see the ability to have a splash play. I don't really see that with Dylan right now. I mean, really, anytime you give Travis Etienne the ball, it, it's it's a touchdown threat because that's just the way he is. I need to see Dylan utilized before I make the, any more assumptions. And then uh, just one final question that I know I didn't ask you this one either, and it tends oh, to be Brandon. a bit of a it tends to be a bit of a doozy. Okay. Um, and we haven't asked a guest in a while. We used to do it every episode, but we haven't yet. Or we haven't recently. Um, my cause, my cleats. You're aware of what that is? Uh, yeah, isn't it the people who um, put something really important to them on their cleats? Yeah, uh, basically, what would your cause be if you were in the NFL and you had cleats designed? What would you want your cause to be that you'd be representing and raising awareness for? Uh, you know... And this is more of like a, this is like more like a personal thing. Like I don't really have like, like a charitable thing, but you know my family. Honestly, you know, um, just like the support system that they that they give me is just beyond compare. I mean, I'm a 16 year old kid who's trying to get into scouting and coaching. You know, I, I'm failing my algebra finals because I'm up late watching tape and trying to get better. So you know, I have I have parents who support me in that sense. They come to all my football games. You know, I, I couldn't be more appreciative. I really, like, not a lot of people would support a 16-year-old kid trying to, you know, spend 99% of his time pursuing what he wants to do and, you know, playing football all the time and, you know, going to practice five days a week but and pursuing other interests. And I have a really good support system who really allows me to do it. And, you know, they push me, they motivate me. And I, I just really wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be writing for anybody. I wouldn't be, you know, playing varsity football if it really wasn't them. So, I mean, long-winded answer for a short question, but, yeah, that's probably my cause. Family matters, man. Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, that's that's all we got for you today, Nathan. Oh, wow. Sorry, me seven Dylan here. <laughs> M- miss you, buddy. Uh, that's all I got for you, uh, Nathan. So, 
Everybody, thanks for listening. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find Whole Nine Sports on Twitter at Whole Nine Sports. Uh, leave us an iTunes review. Hopefully five stars if you don't absolutely hate us. Um, if you do, it's Nathan's fault. Uh, most people <laughs> hate Gator fans. I'm so sick of you. Um, I Why can I not just have someone on the podcast that I, that I don't want to face fight by the end of recording with him? It's not my fault Felipe Franks is overrated. Okay. Alright, that's... We're going to have a discussion about this when we get off air, because that needs to be addressed. Uh, Nathan, where can the people find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at Nathan Papandre on Twitter. Give me a follow. And uh, I'll be posting tape breakdowns every week. Nice and simple, uh, just straight to the point. Absolutely. <laughs> just, just the first and last name. All right, thank you, everybody. Uh, have a good night, and hopefully we'll have Dylan back for Wednesday's recording. <laughs>